Reality, the podcast. Hello, Pod Tribe. You're listening to Refined Reality. I'm your host, Bobby Joe. Today, we're sitting here with Sammy, joined later by Tracy. Hi, Sammy. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. So, Sammy is the owner, operator, and main artist at Boomtown Tattoos. So, I was wondering if you could tell us, like, how did your shop come to be? What inspired you to get into tattooing professionally? Well, uh, basically what inspired it was, I mean, the end goal for me was always to have my own shop. What kind of inspired me to be a tattoo artist was when I was younger, I always wanted tattoos, but A, was too young to get them and couldn't afford them. And since I was already an artist, my idea was if I can't afford it and get it, I might as well just do my own. So I bought a kit online and started to tattoo myself in my bedroom and then quickly realized that that was not the right way to do it. So I started looking up how to get into the tattoo industry and found out about tattoo apprenticeships and kind of went from there. Awesome. So, I mean, that's not really a very common vocation, you know, like when you're growing up. So like there's also a lot of societal stigma with tattoos and some people, you know, like to argue that it has a really strong impact on your mental health. What are your thoughts on relationship between tattoos and self-expression? I mean, I think they go hand in hand as far as the expression that people want to kind of relate and have that when they're, you know, thinking of getting in tattoos, a lot of the times they're related to something they want to express and something they want to have that's close to them. And as far as like, while they're getting tattooed, a lot of them do consider it to be like a therapy session for them. Like I find a lot of the times when I tattoo people, they like to talk about their problems or talk about what's going on in their life. And it's like a way for them to just relax and release all that stuff that they have going on. Okay. And I mean, now you're a mentor uh, to two apprentices, right? What advice do you have to give to anyone else who is thinking about maybe becoming a tattoo artist? Uh, the biggest thing is research, just researching what it takes to be an apprentice and um, the steps that you need to take to do that. The thing with Canada is there's no real regulations as how to get into tattooing, but there is a proper way and an improper way to do it. And basically the proper way would be to get an apprenticeship and the improper way would just be to buy a kid online, kind of like what I did when I was younger and just trying to figure it out yourself. So my biggest piece of advice is to do the research, find shops in your area or places that you like and visit them, talk to the people there and see what, you know, if they're looking for an apprentice and basically draw as well and build a portfolio that so when you do go see these people, you have something to show and you have something to show off your skills and what you're capable of doing. You've been tattooing for how many years now? This year has been 10 officially. Wow, that's so awesome. Uh, what advice for people you know, who maybe want to get a first-time tattoo, what should they consider before sitting in your chair? They definitely need to do research on what they're looking to get. A big thing I try to tell people is to try to find someone who does the same kind of style that you're looking for, and that way you can find somebody that will do a tattoo that you want rather than trying to make someone who doesn't really do that style kind of conform to what you want to do. If you can find someone you can gel with that way, it's a lot better. And then you get the outcome is a lot more clean and accurate to what you want. But yeah, the best thing to do is just look around everybody's portfolios. Most people use Instagram these days. So I always tell people to look at everybody's Instagrams and find someone that they're really kind of attuned to with their style. And then from there, usually getting a hold of them by email or whatever contact preference they like prefer getting a hold of. Right. Because it's not regulated like as someone who has tattoos myself. 
there's so many different things to consider. So many things I didn't consider when I first sat in a chair personally. The thing I always tell people is like the less control you have over your design and like the more you work with your artist and you kind of collaborate with them, the better the outcome is. Especially when it's their first tattoo, try to control every aspect of the design. But if you can learn to trust your artist, then you end up with a lot better outcome and your piece is a lot more unique that way. So you design your own art. You're not a copy-paste sort of artist. The way I do is I mainly do realism. So what I mostly use is Photoshop. And I use a lot of real-world references for my designs. But I basically put it all together in Photoshop to make like a sleeve or a back piece or whatever subject matter that my client wants. If need be, I do a lot of freehand work as well in lettering. But what I mostly focus on is realism tattoos. Tattoo care, maintenance, touch-ups. What do you think people you know, often don't consider? A lot of people tend to listen to their friends when it comes to aftercare and not their actual tattoo artists. If their artist is giving them a specific aftercare instructions to follow that, and not to just follow what their friend's advice is, because for the most part, they don't know. And we know, you know, we've had a lot of training. We know what works, what doesn't work. So we tend to try to make sure that people follow the instructions we give them. What does, like, I mean, it's a, it really is a beautiful and impressive art form. And for you personally, what does that expression through your art mean? Well, for me personally, it's the freedom to just live my life the way I want to live it and using my skills to kind of make that happen. I've always kind of had this weird perspective on life. Since I was a kid, this is all I've wanted to do. So my goal in life was always to be able to do something with my art where I can make a living at it. And doing tattoos has provided me that freedom. And it's something I enjoy doing. So that's where kind of it sits for me is like, like I said, it's just like a, a way to have that freedom in my life where I don't have to be bogged down with a job that I don't want. So that's what sort of inspired you to open Boomtown? tattoos yeah exactly like the the end goal was always to have a shop but as i got more and more into my career i just wanted to kind of work for myself and not have to answer to anybody and just to have my own place where i could just be myself and have my own things and not have to worry about answering to anybody you know what i mean that's actually a really cool name though like is there a story behind that yeah i mean i got the nickname when i was an apprentice and it was just like this random situation where one of the piercers who used to work at a shop I worked at started calling me the Boomtown Strangler. And I'm not exactly sure where she came up with that. But then eventually that just came shortened down to the Boomtown. And then that just kind of stuck. And then I figured it's an eight letter word. So I was like, it'd be perfect to just put on my knuckles. So that's kind of just stuck with it. And then when I opened my shop, I figured might as well name it that since everybody knows me by that nickname. That's awesome. How long did it take to do like a tattoo apprenticeship? Is there a certain amount of hours that you need to hit? For like the apprenticeship itself, um, it's usually like a year and a half to two years. It all depends on too, like if your mentor decides like when you're ready. So if he sees you're progressing pretty quickly, then you know you might finish a little sooner than two years. But it's all relative to how everything goes in the apprenticeship itself. There's no like set amount of hours. It's not like a really kind of official thing like sanctioned by the government. We're very kind of like on the outer fringe of society when it comes to that. Like the government doesn't really pay attention to us in that way. So we just kind of do our own thing. And it's a very like old school way of entering a job, I guess. Like it's not many jobs out there nowadays where you kind of just show up to the place and you're like, hey, this is what I can do. Hire me. Mm-hmm, for sure. And even with a lot of trades now, I mean, it used, like you said, it used to be very common, but it's not like that 
anymore. Have you ever had to sort of refuse anyone or, cause I mean, there, there must be multiple health concerns and things to consider like from a health perspective when getting tattooed and when tattooing. Oh yeah. Like I've refused people for all sorts of reasons, not only for medical, but just for tattoo decisions. Like I refuse to tattoo anything that has anything to do with like offensive race remarks or anything like that. Anything like that I would refuse to do immediately. But when it comes to like medication kind of reasons, um, just recently, actually, one of my apprentices was asking me about tattooing somebody with a pacemaker. And I told her straight up that I don't know if somebody with a pacemaker should be getting tattooed because I don't have any experience with them. So I told her like to get whatever client who has a pacemaker to talk to their doctor and make sure that they're clear to get tattooed. Because when it comes to things like that, if I don't know exactly what the outcome will be or if they should or shouldn't, I usually just veer on the side of caution and just tell them to like clear it with their doctor first before I move forward with them. And that goes for like people with like psoriasis, for example, if they have psoriasis and it's like a really bad flare up of psoriasis, I can't really do anything or tattoo them. So I have to kind of turn away, which has happened a couple of times. And usually when that happens, I have to wait till the psoriasis clears out before I can go back in and tattoo it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot of things that like I wouldn't have thought of. That's really good advice. There's so many variables when it comes to tattooing. Like, that side of it or even if like for example i've had people show up drunk and can't tattoo people when they're intoxicated so i have to turn those people away as well it definitely isn't a good idea but i i can definitely understand not wanting to feel all the pain <laughs> yeah do, are, yeah, do you I, have any uh, tricks actually for that for being able to like sit better i just tell people to just like try not to overthink it too much and try not to get too worked up usually people think that it hurts more than it's gonna and then like I'd say 90% of people are like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. So like people try to, especially first timers, they try to like think it's going to be this, you know, insanely painful thing when really it's not as bad as they're building it up to be. And I honestly kind of blame the internet for that because there's like an endless amount of videos of people just dying on the internet about getting tattooed. And the reality is it's not that bad. It's just most people like to be dramatic about it when they're being filmed. So they try to make it like seem worse than it is. Well, isn't there a trend um, right now on social media or something? I had one of my tattooers show me where people were getting like those full sleeves, like those blackout tattoos. Yeah, it's definitely been a trend for the last, I'd say, like a couple of years. What are, what are your thoughts on trend tattoos? Do you get a lot of requests for that? I guess I have my own trends, like where I do realism, a lot of trends kind of fall. Like for me, for example, I've been doing like a lot of lions lately. Well, like lions seem to be very popular right now. I don't have an issue with trends when it comes to tattoos. Like if somebody wants to get something and it's trendy, I'm assuming they're putting the thought in that it's going to be permanent. As long as it's something like too ridiculous, like, and it's still something that can kind of age well with time, then I'm, I don't have a problem with it. For example, like the blackout sleeves, like I don't have a problem with them. I think they're kind of cool looking. I personally wouldn't get it, but a lot of people seem to like the look of that. And it's kind of fallen in that hole. Like there's like this very big trend of like heavy geometric black, kind of designs that have been coming up lately and that whole blackout arm sleeve is kind of part of that trend so it's probably going to be around for a while but yeah as far as trend goes themselves i don't really have any issues with them i think they just come and go and people who get those types of tattoos are usually pretty happy with them and if not i mean these days you can get laser removal so it's not really the end of the world is laser removal like is that a hundred percent it's never 100%, but it varies from person to person, right? Because every tattoo is applied differently. Everybody uses different kind of inks. So it's, a, it's one of those things where like, you can try to get it gone as much as you can, but some people, there'll be still some left over. There's also situations where if someone's getting tattooed and it gets scarred during the process, the laser won't remove the scar. So when you get the tattoo removed, there's still going to be some of that scarring left over. 
which is why we trend, I tend to veer where I use laser removal as a way to make cover-ups easier. So anytime someone wants a cover-up, I try, I try to suggest them to go get laser done so that when they get that cover-up done, it's pretty much gone. Like cover-up, how do you hide that? Like I watch so many tattoo shows and you see these people come in with either, you know, very botched tattoos from someone who was learning or the changes of the body. Sometimes it might not be forgiving, you know, with a stomach tattoo and pregnancy. I'll be honest, my style is not very good for cover-ups, so I kind of try to avoid them as much as possible. Hence why I get them to do laser first so that it's not really a cover-up anymore. But there are definitely people out there who do specialize in cover-ups, and that's like a whole art in itself is trying to figure out how to hide all that stuff. There are some people that try to make it seem like cover-ups are easier than they are, especially those like cover-up tattoo shows. They never really show the cover-up healed, and that's where the important part lies is like how the tattoo looks healed. Do you still see that cover-up underneath, or does it need another pass? So when it comes to cover-up, you definitely need someone who specializes in that specifically if you're not willing to go down the laser route. That's interesting. So it's really up to the client to like really do their do their due diligence and do their research. Yeah, at the end of the day, like that's the biggest thing for like anything in this industry is just do the research and find someone who gels with you, like I said, with the style or what you want. And usually if you do that, then you're golden and you're going to get something that you actually really enjoy. What's the longest you've ever tattooed someone for? I think it was a little over eight hours. Wow. That must be very physically demanding like on you you know, obviously the client, but on you as well. I wouldn't say physically for me. I try to make it where I don't have too many physical situations for myself. Like I make sure I'm in a really comfy chair. I don't bend over too much. So I, for me, it's more mentally exhausting than physically. Like I definitely have to take breaks every like hour or so just to kind of like reconfigure my brain and give it a break. If I try to tattoo for more than like two hours straight and then I need, I just start getting like loopy and weird. So I just have to like stop and just take a break. But it's definitely like a mental game for me. Did you start through other art? Like have you had any art formal education prior to uh, your tattoo career? No, I've never had any art education unless you like count like art school and high school. But other than that, I just mostly started drawing when I was a kid and just kept drawing until I grew up. My dad had a lot to do with that. I used to help him out when he would airbrush cars and stuff like that. And I would be his kind of gopher, and which kind of inspired me to start drawing my own things. And then I'd start, like I started out with drawing Dragon Ball Z characters and cartoons and stuff. And then I would like move into more realistic things. So it's just like more or less being self-taught. And then throughout the years, trying to apply all the stuff I've taught myself drawing wise to tattooing. So what would your advice be to someone, you know, those people, I wish I could draw, I wish I could do that. I've always told people, anybody who tells me that they can't draw, I tell them straight up that they could, they just have to put the time in. I've always believed that there are talented people out there, and then there's people who just work hard to get there. And I just think that the people who are talented get there quicker, but someone who works their ass off to get in that same spot can get can be just as good as that talented person. And sometimes in a lot of cases, they get better because a talented person will just kind of ride off of their talent and get lazy. Whereas the person who doesn't have that much talent will keep pushing and pushing and working. And then they get used to that kind of drive and they actually start getting better. So I always tell people, anybody can learn how to draw. It's a skill like anything else. You just have to put the time in. Are there any sort of stigmas, you know, false stigmas that you would like to address um, in regards to tattoos? Like I remember when I got my first tattoo, my mother being like, oh no, like you think I I became a thug all of a sudden or something. (laughs) I think these days it's a lot less stigmatized. I mean, like even 10 years ago, I think it was a lot more stigmatized, but in the last five, six years, it's definitely starting to get to a point where it's a lot more socially acceptable. 
it's funny though because in my experience i've always found that even people who are getting tattooed where their parents aren't really on board with it they seem to take it a lot easier if the tattoo is well done i think our old like older generation our parents and stuff like that they're used to seeing tattoos as like these kind of crude pieces of art that are just kind of scribbled on your skin so to me when a tattoo is done really well they seem to kind of be a lot more receptive of it and um yeah it's just funny how people will come to the shop and be like, Oh, I can't let my mom see this or I can't let my dad see this. And then they'll come back for a second session and they'll be like, Oh, surprisingly, my dad actually liked it because it looked really good. Yeah. I remember my dad once saying how he always associated tattoos with prison because a lot of his friends would get those sort of like prison stick and poke tattoos. Yeah. Which is exactly my point. Like our parents just think of that when they think of tattoo. And they're like, when you say you're going for a tattoo, their immediate thought is like, oh, they're going to someone's like basement and getting a stick and poke. Whereas like, it's a completely different thing now where it's like, you're going to a shop with professionals who know what they're doing and they're doing a good job and it's clean. So Mm -hmm. when they see that, it kind of helps them reconfigure that and opens their eyes a little bit. And I think that whole trend of like us kind of changing people's minds is starting to finally like, get to a place where people are being like oh no this is totally normal it's not that bad it's actually art it's not just you know a form of rebellion or whatever that people used to think it was for sure i mean the more tattoos i get the more i i I love my body like personally i found i've definitely found that has been a big thing too like it's definitely like a confidence booster for people to um help accept themselves for example like my girlfriend gets a lot of tattoos and certain places where she's a little self-conscious about something but then we'll put a tattoo there and then it'll make her feel better about that spot so it's definitely a way for people to feel better about themselves for sure how old were you when you got your first tattoo well that's the crazy thing is it was actually my mom who tattooed me and i was like 15 or 14 what your my- mom tattooed you oh yeah my mom went through a phase where she decided to be uh, uh, uh like what we like to call in the industry is a scratcher, which is basically someone who's untrained who doesn't know what they're doing. And she decided to go around and tattoo her, I think her brothers and sisters. And, you know, at that time, my interest in tattooing was just starting to develop. And I was just like, oh, you have to tattoo me. I want you to tattoo me. And then for some reason, my mom said yes and decided to <laughs> tattoo me. Where, where was it and what was it? It was like on my upper arm. It's, it's covered now, but it was like a, this like picture I found on Google of some sort of demon or something I thought looked cool. <laughs> Tracy, did your mom tattoo you? No, definitely not. She did not tattoo me. At that time, I actually never wanted to get a tattoo. And even up to the point where I eventually did get my first tattoo by my brother, I had no idea that I would be eventually getting a tattoo. Like in my mind, I never wanted to do it. Yeah, she was very against it. What? That's so special though that like your first tattoo is from your brother. If I had someone talented like that in my family, I'd want to be covered. No, he's definitely talented. It's not always been simpatico. I mean, me and my brother have had some issues in between us and a big part of it was coming from me without me really realizing how it was affecting him. And I think at the time when he wanted to get into this, I wasn't supportive like I should have been. And it was during a time where I went through a lot of turmoil and I was projecting that onto him instead of being supportive. So for that, I'm really sorry about that, uh, Sammy. But now moving forward, I'm very honored to see that he pushed through even without my support. Well, to be fair, a lot of the things too, like um, kind of like what you were talking about before is like, this isn't a very common career path or choice to try to make. So I'm not alone in being a person who was kind of um, not judged, but like looked at like, 
you know, maybe you should try to find something a little easier or something a little more where you go to school and like more structured and all these things. But so getting into the tattoo industry, a lot of people do struggle with that same kind of lack of support, I would say, from like family and friends and close ones and stuff like that. Not usually because of a negative thing, but more or less because they're looking out for them and they're trying to like see, you know, they're trying to do it in their best interests. But it's one of those things where it's hard to get into the tattoo industry. It's hard to be successful and get to a point where you can actually have a career. And that's one of the things that I kind of realized early on when I was doing the research and just accepted as like truth. Like I was like, okay, this is going to be a hard thing to get into, but that's just how it is. So I accepted that immediately and just decided that from that point on, I was just going to do whatever it took to get there. If you knew then what you know now, what professional advice would you give your past self? Not to tattoo your high school friends in your bedroom. (laughs) What? (laughs) Please share. (laughs) Well, when I was in high school and like, like I said, about 14 or 15, I started tattooing myself. So I bought like, at first I did like stick and pokes, but to me it was too slow and I didn't like it. It wasn't like what I wanted to, it wasn't accurate enough basically. So I was like, I need a tattoo machine. So. I decided to look online and found a tattoo kit like so many people do and uh, ordered it and started tattooing myself and people at school started noticing that I was like getting these tattoos and they were like, where are you getting these from? And uh, I was just like, oh, I'm doing them myself. And then of course, like some of them were like, oh, you should tattoo me. And then I always used to say no. And I was trying to like be like, oh no, this is just for me. And then we had somebody at our school, uh, I can't remember his name, but his nickname was Chuck and he uh, died because what ended up happening, he was like snowmobiling with his friends and he ended up getting, um, he was snowmobiling across the river and the ice cracked and he fell through and got like swept up in the current. Oh. And it was like this huge thing that happened at school. And, um, I ended up drawing a portrait, uh, like as a memorial for their parents. Nobody asked me to, I just did it because I felt like I should for some reason. And I presented it to his parents and they like made a big deal of it at school. And then a bunch of my friends approached me to do a tattoo in memorial to him, which was basically a C with like the, his birth date and his death date. And then I guess I decided at that point, since it was something special or something that was more meaningful, that I was going to take the time to do it. So I did it on a couple of friends and that kind of opened up the door to like tattoo more people. And, and then it started getting out of hand because it was like, I, I can't remember how many people I tattooed, but it had to be like at least 20. And... Um, to this day, I still don't know how nobody's parents came to my door and been like, what the hell did you do to my kid? <laughs> That's where my mindset was. I was like, wow, you must have had a lot of angry moms. <laughs> yeah, either, either that or nobody, like, nobody stitched on me or nobody told their parents or like everybody was in on it and tried to keep it hush-hush because I have no idea how I didn't get a visit to the door with like some angry parents. Shortly after that, I decided that uh, that what I was doing was kind of sketchy, and I didn't. I probably shouldn't be doing it. And that's when I started researching, like, what's the proper way to get into tattooing? Because, like, I was noticing not only like what I was doing was sketchy, but the tattoos weren't turning out very well, and I couldn't figure out why. And I was like, well, it's probably because I don't know what I'm doing. So I used to spend just a lot of time in my bedroom on the computer on the internet. So I just spent all my time doing a bunch of research and like why things weren't working out the way they were, and. Back then, there wasn't a lot of information. So the only thing that kept coming up was get an apprenticeship, get an apprenticeship, get an apprenticeship. So after I graduated high school, that's that's where my mind went was, okay, now high school's finished. Now the next step is to find an apprenticeship. So an apprentice, they tattoo on skin right away or do they practice on like pig skin or fruits or? Usually like grapefruits and pig skin, sometimes like fake, uh, like fake tattoo skin. 
Oh, so you definitely would recommend someone who's learning to test on those things instead of themselves or their friends. I mean, they can test on themselves if they want just to see how it feels. But like, I would definitely wait till they have a little practice time, like doing grapefruits and stuff before they jump to that. What kind of advice would you give family members and uh, friends who are not on board with someone jumping ship and not doing a nine to five job, like a typical job and just going branching out on their own and doing what they're passionate about? What would you tell them and what would you tell that person that's looking to do that? I mean, I would just tell them to just trust them, like let them go through the process, let them learn, let them fall, let them fail because People who um, go through failure, they learn and they get better and they learn from their mistakes. And I find that if people try to coddle that, those people too much and try to protect them too much, like you're more holding them back than anything. Because that was one of the biggest like gripes I had growing up was when I kept trying to do this, like I know you did it from a place where you were trying to do it from a good place, but all I saw was you just trying to hold me back. And I used to, you know, say over and over again, let me learn my mistakes, let me do my mistakes, like let me go through it. This is how I learn. So my biggest advice is just give people space to just mess up a little bit. You know what I mean? It's not the end of the world if you know things go a little wrong. There's ways to figure things out. If they have a support system there in the first place, or people that are there trying to protect them from like things going wrong. If you know what I mean, like when things do go wrong, then you can step in and try to be a support system. But just let them, you know, breathe a little and try to figure it out on their own. Yeah, I did uh I was very controlling at that time and I was a bit suffocating how I was and it's given me some perspective when I just finally decided to listen and not put my own ideas of what I thought I was doing best for you and it's also made me a better parent as well because now I apply those to my children. I don't want to suffocate them to the point where they don't want to follow their dreams. I never want to do that. I feel that's the thing too with our generation like versus our parents generation like I remember hauling myself up in my room for hours and just doodling and it just felt so good for my soul you know and I spent I was always that kid you know my textbooks everything was just doodled like crazy and yeah mine were the same that's like if, <laughs> if I ever had my binders again still like every place that had space had some sort of doodle on it Yeah. And I just remember like, you know, I loved art and literature and just, it felt so special and teachers, you know, and parents just being like, why would you waste your time with that? Like, don't study music, don't study art, don't like, it's just such a waste. You know, you want to, you want to go get that nine to five and that pension and stuff like that. And I feel like now that, you know, there's hardly any pensions anymore, and the nine to five is not a reality. I don't know if it's just a coincidence about more people, you know, opening up to art or maybe the older generation is finally realizing the impact. I mean, I remember when I got my last thigh tattoo, there were a lot of 70 year old women in the chair next to me and I was shocked and they were getting all the tattoos that they wish they could have got when they were my age. Yeah. Going back to what you said though, like that's kind of what I was saying before, like when where I have a unique perspective on, I guess, life in general. It's just like being in my situation and going through what I've gone through. Like I look at life and I'm just like, I don't know how someone could just be content with living a nine to five job where they don't like what they do and they just hate life. We spend so much of our life working and, and doing something to make a living to get by and to survive. Like why would you not put all of your effort into doing something that you at least enjoy? Like we're here as far as we know, we're here only once. So why not make a count and why not 
make it where you're doing something you enjoy and not wasting that huge part of your life on something you hate. The idea to me that we're, you work for like 40 years to be able to have freedom at 65 is just like insane to me. I was like, mm-hmm. why do we have to wait till we're 65 to have freedom? Why can't we just enjoy our lives now? Like who dictated where we have to work at a place that we hate until we're about 65 and only have, you know, a little bit of freedom on weekends. And that's just the norm. Like we're just supposed to accept that just because our parents and their generations like built it this way. Like I I, I kind of figured out at at a young age that that whole thing is, it doesn't have to be that way. Like you could figure other ways out. Like there's other ways to go about life you know what i mean like there's mm-hmm. it's it's not this structured thing where you just go to school you you go to college you do this you do that and you have all these like steps where you have to follow to have a successful life i totally agree with you there because for me i did that nine to five um aspect i followed all the rules i did everything i needed to do and for a better part of my life i ran on autopilot i wasn't happy and actually watching you flourish and go through the process and breaking the norms and making your own name and building a business has been a true inspiration for me because recently I dabbled back into art. Like I shut that out completely. I put art in a box and put it away and never touched it because of what had happened to me when I was younger and not being able to follow that dream. And I think that's where my resentment came from when I talked to my brother and how I was like, no, you need to go and get a side job in case something were to go awry and not work. But that was my own pain that I was projecting onto him and just watching him, how he's really broken the norm and and pushed his own way and not taken anything I said um, personally and just pushed through has inspired me to do that because I've gone back into my art. I'm drawing, I'm sketching, and I'm even selling some art, which was a lifelong dream to actually teach people how to paint or how to draw. And I've, I've actually been able to do that and not having to do it in a certain timeline or a certain trajectory where I thought was it was supposed to be that way. It kind of happened on itself when I let go of that anger, that hate that I held for so many years. But like, I don't know. It's just something so special about art and being able to express yourself. and. Um, like Sammy was saying, like that whole, you know, nine to five forced outcome. I, I mean, Sammy, you're successful. You, you did not go the conventional route and you're very successful. I won't lie. Like it was difficult. I had some low points just to kind of give you like a brief history. Like when I left high school to go up, like pursue an apprenticeship, a lot of it was because of where I was, like locationally, which made it a lot more difficult. I mean, if you live in a city, then, you know, it's a lot easier, but Coming from a small town that didn't have a tattoo shop, the closest one was half an hour away. I tried to get into one of the shops that I really liked there, didn't work, uh, ended up in a shop that I didn't like, and then ended up leaving that shop because it was a Hell's Angel shop. And, you know, they were hinting at the fact that they wanted me to join in on some weird stuff. But I was like, I'm only here for the art. Like, I just want a tattoo. So I pretty much got out of there as fast as I could. And then, you know, I ended up going to Ottawa for a little bit because there was a lot of my friends from high school that were there that were there for their, you know, schooling and university and stuff like that. And I decided it'd be a great place to get into tattooing there. But, you know, things didn't work out for me there because I didn't plan properly and I just kind of went on a whim. And then I ended up back home and gave up for a little bit. I stopped drawing for like three years and I did end up doing that nine to five thing because I got discouraged because things kept falling apart and things kept not working. And um, 
I started working at this company called Cisco, which was like food delivery service where, you know, you deliver food to restaurants and stuff. And I was like a truck helper. And it was like that typical stereotypical thing where you start a job and you're just like, I'm just starting this to pay bills. I'm going to get out of this soon. It's just a temporary thing. And then one year passes, two year passes, you know, I'm there, I'm stuck. I've stopped drawing. I've put all that stuff on a shelf. And, um, and then something happened where they brought in a manager from Toronto to shut the, the branch down, but they didn't tell us that. He just made it seem like he was there to help us. But long story short, they put me on a night shift job by myself to clean the warehouse. And at the time, I had just moved out of my parents' place into my own apartment. So I was basically alone 24-7. I was at home by myself, and then I'd go to work by myself. And as corny as it sounds... Like I would like have like vivid dreams of like tattooing and like doing these things. And I'd wake up and I'd be like, what the hell am I doing with myself? Like, why am I here? Like just miserable and not doing anything. And I ended up building up enough time to get a paid week off from work. So I took it just because I was sick of working. And two days into my uh, vacation, I called my boss and I was like, I'm not coming back. And, you know, naturally he was like freaking out. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I got to pursue this tattooing thing. I was like, I can't just let it go. I just, I've tried. It's just this nagging thing that won't leave me alone. And then I, uh, yeah, I, I quit. I got a credit card. I saved up as much as I could to make it to North Bay again and ended up meeting my ex and by chance ended up in London because she was from Stratford and she was going to school in North Bay and she had dropped out and didn't want to be there anymore. So she wanted to move back down south to be closer to her family. And at the time I was starting to prep another portfolio and get ready for an apprenticeship. And I knew in North Bay it wasn't going to get very far. So I knew I had to be in a city to make it work. So we came up with a compromise of like, well, let's put out because at the time we were both working at Walmart on night shift. So I was like, well, why don't we just put out like transfer options and try to get into any big city down south. So like Guelph, Kitchener, London, anywhere like that. And London was the one that happened to call us back. So we ended up there. And once I got to London, everything just kind of fell into place. We moved there. I think it was March or yeah, May 10th of 2010. We moved here to London. And by May 20th, I got my apprenticeship at a shop called Hardcore Tattoos. And then the rest is history. I, just, I finished my apprenticeship and uh, built my experience there and then was there up until I opened my shop now. Well, yeah, that was definitely not an easy road. What, what words of advice or um, encouragement would you have for any aspiring artist or apprentices that are in that dark space right now? Just don't give up. Like there's ways to... Like there's a way. You just have to figure out what that way is. No matter how hard things get or how bleak it seems, just keep that goal in mind and keep it there. Even if you have to like slug it at a job you don't like for a couple of years, just don't forget about it like I did. Like you know what I mean? Like you just gotta keep that goal in mind that this is temporary. Once you're done, you're gonna be able to do what you want. And that's one of the things that I was doing when I was an apprentice as I was working at Walmart on night shift and doing my apprenticeship at the same time. So I was working basically like 18 hours a day. And um, my one goal that kept me going was that I knew, well, back then, I don't know what the minimum wage is now, but back then was I calculated it where at Walmart, I make $75 a night. And that's how it kind of like worked at Walmart with like my wage. So my thing was, if I can make $75 a day at the tattoo shop, that means I don't have to work at Walmart anymore. So I pushed myself to a point where I would do enough, like once my apprenticeship was over, I pushed myself to a point where I did enough tattoos to make that goal every day. And once I started consistently making that goal, I was finally able to just quit, you know, Walmart and, you know, do tattooing full time. 
So that was like one of the main things I kept in my mind is just that's how much I need. That's the baseline. If I can make that or more every night, five days a week, I don't have to have another job because that'll be covering everything I need. That's really smart. Is there any shout outs that you want to make uh, for your shop or the staff that work with you? Yeah, I would just tell people if they want to look into our shop, just to go to on Instagram and look up Boomtown underscore tattoos. Everybody that works there is featured on that page. So we have a girl named Kaylee. Her Instagram is Wildwood and Fern. Uh, she does really good work. And then our two apprentices, one is, uh, her name is Taylor Page and her page is Taylor Page Art. And then the last one is Christine Bodon and her Instagram is just Christine Bodon. And those two are doing really good work right now and coming up really fast. So the best, if anybody's looking to book with our shop, those two would be your best bet right now. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. I'm just curious, what does a typical day at the shop look like for you? Honestly, just a lot of goofing around and tattooing and just like joking around. My girlfriend does all the desk work and stuff with me. And Taylor, my one apprentice, is is her best friend from high school. So, you know, a lot of, we honestly just, just shit talk and just have fun all day. That's awesome. It's so special when you love going to work and it's not just a means to exist. Yeah, no, it's, that's the thing is, is sometimes I'll just kind of sit back and just like observe the room and just like be thankful that I, I'm where I am where I'm at because I'm doing what I want. I'm having fun with the people that I'm with because I enjoy them being around me. And, you know, all that was in part because I didn't give up and I kept pushing and I kept trying to get to where I was and it took 10 years but you know I'm here now so I can actually enjoy what I have it's definitely the dream thank you so much for sitting with us and telling us your story anytime well that was refined and real many thanks to you our listeners for staying with us until the very end for more about us and what we do Check us out on our Facebook page, Refined Reality, the podcast. And a huge shout out to Architect for building our music. Like what you hear? Check out his info in our description. Until next time, get some R&R. Stay curious. This is Bobby Joe signing off.